as I mentioned at the scripture in uh, Matthew chapter 5 and verse 7. Um, uh, we, we'd been through the uh, the prayer beatitudes so far that has blessed are the poor in spirit for theirs is the kingdom of heaven. Blessed are those who mourn for they shall be comforted. Blessed are the meek for they shall inherit the earth. Blessed are those that hunger and thirst after righteousness for they shall be filled. Blessed are the merciful for they shall obtain mercy. And I mentioned when we look at this, we see a progression. Poor in spirit, coming before God, knowing that you have nothing of merit, but depending upon his mercy alone. And that leading to mourning over sin and the humility caused by the consciousness that we are inherently sinful. But also the hunger and thirst after the righteousness, that being the righteousness of Christ and the promise that we will be filled but there's also some parallels because the one who is poor in spirit is also merciful to others the one who mourns over his own sin is also blessed is also pure in his heart the one who is meek or humble is also able to be a peacemaker and the one who hung on thirst after righteousness is also willing to be persecuted for righteousness sake. And so there's a progression and some parallels in these, what, what we know as the Beatitudes. But I want to look at this one right here. Um, Blessed are the merciful, for they shall obtain mercy. And, you know, right out the gate, there's two questions that, I want to address regarding mercy. First, what is it? And second, why does it matter? Um, from a, a dictionary point of view, it's defined in the Merriam-Webster dictionary as compassion or forbearance shown especially to an offender or one subject to your power so compassion or forbearance shown especially to an offender or one subject to your power in our modern context um where that might be seen is in the law court where true compassion has the the effect uh, as a matter of fact i want to use two two cases the law court and also when persons are in need compassion has the idea of feeling the condition of another uh recently our government announced they had um received quite a bit of money through a fund set up to help those who are affected by covid i think they mentioned they mentioned to the size of the donations and the largest single donation was around two hundred and fifty thousand billion dollars and that's a sizable amount of money for most corporate organizations in this country. All right. But that, that's a good sum of money. And, and so what was um, uh, our prime minister in, in introducing this would have also touted being our brother's keeper, feeling the condition of one another and showing compassion. Forbearance, which is, a, a, in a sense, a type of control, can be seen in our law courts where someone 
does an offense that can, um, they've committed an offense that can incur a hefty fine or period of imprisonment. But when the, the, the judge analyzes the, the surrounding circumstances and conditions, he decides not to give them the full penalty that they could incur, but a lesser penalty. He is still delivering justice, but he's giving them a lesser penalty that they than they could otherwise incur. Uh, it, recently, we've seen several curfew breakers come before the court with all manner of stories, a few of which could be understandable, a few of which it is obvious that those stories were false. And then oftentimes they incur the full penalty of breaking that particular law. So from the dictionary point of view, it has the context of compassion or forbearance shown, especially to an offender or one subject to your power, right? Or authority uh, is another word. From scripture, mercy is, is shown as an essential character of God. God proclaimed it of himself in Exodus 34 and verse 5 to 7. This is when the Lord came down in a cloud and stood before Moses. And it said, the Lord came down in a cloud and stood there with him and proclaimed his name, the Lord. And he passed in front of Moses proclaiming, The Lord, the Lord, the compassionate and gracious God, slow to anger, abounding in love and faithfulness, maintaining love to thousands and forgiving wickedness, rebellion and sin. Yet he does not leave the guilty unpunished. He punishes the children and their children, for the sin of the parents to the third and fourth generation. And so then, mercy is something that God proclaims of himself as merciful. He proclaims it again in, in uh, Exodus chapter 22 and verse 26, not only as an essential characteristic, but he, he shows himself as merciful or compassionate in action, it, say, uh, it says in, in giving greater details of the law, he says, If ever you take your neighbor's cloak in pledge, you shall return it to him before the sun goes down. For that is his only covering, and it is his cloak for his body. In what else shall he sleep? And if he cries to me, I will hear, for I am compassionate. So the Lord gives a command. Again, remember uh, the, 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 the definition includes compassion. And the Lord gives a command to Israel in how they were uh, to carry out the final details of the law. And he says, if they took the, uh, a poor man's cloak, because in most times this was the cloak of the poor. Only the poor would go this far that they had to offer their cloak uh, body covering as a pledge 
but he mentions you should return it before sundown why because obviously when the sun goes down and the temperature falls and it becomes colder that is the point at which the the the, the, the person needs their cloak and so um god they said you shall return it but he issues an assurance and a warning where he says if he cries to me i will hear for i am compassionate and so god declares himself merciful not only in an essential characteristic but in his action he uses then the some writers of the psalms who also declare his mercy in psalm 108 103 sorry in verse 8 it says the lord is merciful and gracious slow to anger and abounding in steadfast love and some persons would say abounding in mercy and that tends to depend on what original text they were translated from but either way um mercy and steadfast love come as the, the come true and are translated from the same word uh psalm 145 and verse 8 says the same thing again the lord is gracious and merciful slow to anger and abounding in steadfast love and uh in jeremiah uh the, this is again the lord speaking through his prophet is and the prophet says the lord said to me faithful israel has shown herself more righteous than treacherous judah and jeremiah was a prophet to judah and he was given a promise from god that the people would not hear him but he still prophesied in obedience to god he says faithful israel has shown herself more righteous than treacherous judah and treacherous always has the context with it of deception not only sinfulness but deceptively so and he continues go and proclaim these words towards the north and say return faithless israel declares the lord i will not look on you in anger for i am merciful declares the lord i will not be angry forever and so god declares himself as merciful in it as an essential characteristic as merciful in his actions both when we petition him and merciful in his actions when he forgives us so his mercy carries all three contexts he's essentially merciful he's merciful when we pray to him and we petition him and he's merciful when we return to him in repentance and he forgives us and so both the dictionary definition and what god declares of himself show some commonality shows that there's some similarity and commonality between the two but then the question why does it matter because it's one thing for god to declare himself merciful but why does it matter 
And, and why does this verse then become so important to us? Blessed are the merciful or happy, satisfied, not because of circumstance or incidents happening in our life, but satisfied in God. Blessed are the merciful for they shall obtain mercy. And one of the things is that mercy pleases God. It's as simple as that. Mercy, that is, the mercy that we would exhibit, the mercy exhibited by men, pleases God. Jesus shows this from his own example. In, um, in uh, I think this is Matthew and chapter 9. Uh, reading from verse 10, I believe. It says, Jesus reclined at table in a house and many tax collectors and sinners came and were reclining with Jesus and his disciples and it says when the Pharisees saw this they said to his disciples why does your teacher eat with tax collectors and sinners so you must understand there was a stigma attached the tax collectors because they were seen as sellouts they collected taxes on behalf of rome and israel at that point in time was under uh, subjugation to rome and so they were seen as a sellout because they're collecting taxes on behalf of the oppressor and the other thing is that many of them were not honest either and so there was a stigma attached to this to this profession the Pharisees said this, uh, saw this and they said to his disciples, Why does your teacher eat with tax collectors and sinners? But when he, that is Jesus, heard this, he said, Those who are well have no need of a physician. But those who are sick, go and learn what this means. I desire mercy and not sacrifice. For I came to call the righteous... I came to call I came not to call the righteous but sinners and when Jesus said go and learn what this means he repeats something he already proclaimed through the prophet Hosea Hosea chapter 6 and verse 6 I desire mercy and not sacrifice some verses would actually read I desire steadfast love because both are translated from the same word I desire mercy and not sacrifice. And it was in reference to the priests who were not merciful. They were oppressive in their conduct and behavior. They were oppressive to the poor, especially. But then they thought that they could act how they wanted to. But if they brought the sacrifices that were demanded by the law, then God would overlook their conduct. So they thought they could behave how they want to, but bring a sacrifice that fit the requirements of the law and God would overlook their conduct. And it and that same mindset persisted right through to Jesus' day when he was in present on the earth in ministry. And the Pharisees are looking at him and looking at those with whom he associates. And in their mind, they are saying, well, if he was a righteous man he would not go around these people does he know who they are 
Now, that attitude, by the way, still persists today. There are some who are, in our society, there's a stigma attached to some people. There's a stigma attached to some mental health problems. There's a stigma attached to those with addiction problems. There's a stigma attached to those with same-sex tendencies and practice. There's a stigma attached to those who have done something wrong in their life and they may face incarceration. They may face public shame. There's a stigma attached to those persons in our society today. But Jesus mentions i desire mercy and in in that he's talking about mercy in our conduct for i came to call the not i came not to call the righteous but sinners the other reason is important is by the very condition laid down right here in, in this beatitude we shall obtain mercy Blessed are the merciful, for they shall obtain mercy. Now, I, I, I connected with that, I want to look at where does this mercy come from? Where does this mercy come from? So, it, 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 is, it carries with it the sense of compassion and forbearance, especially to an offender or one, to, one over whom we have authority. God declares himself merciful as an essential characteristic. He declares himself merciful in response to our prayers. He declares himself merciful in response to forgiving us when we repent. And mercy on our part, that showing of compassion or forbearance, pleases God and in turn, it leads then to us, or it's, it's, it, it is a truth that we too will obtain mercy but that mercy mercy on the whole is something that comes from God in Psalm 136 throughout that psalm is punctuated by this sentence his for his mercy endures forever uh, depending on the, the, the um, version of scripture that you have that endures is going to be in italics meaning that the meaning is there but that word didn't appear in the original language it was simply because his mercy forever in other words his mercy is a essential characteristic of himself that is god himself and all that he does forever but i love that sentence his mercy endures forever Forever, ever. And I, I wish that would hit home to our hearts and sink into our hearts that essential truth. His mercy endures forever. Forever. In Psalm chapter 4 and verse 1, and this is a, a supplication from the psalm, it says, Answer me when I call to you, O my righteous God. Give me relief from my distress. Be merciful to me and hear my prayer. A couple of things here. 
the, the psalmist exalts God as righteous. He's asking God to answer. He's extolling God as righteous. He's saying that if God answers, that is a righteous act. He says, give me relief from distress and be merciful to me. Which means that the psalmist understands that he is in the position, really, of an offender. But God is able to be merciful to the, uh, to the offender. As a matter of fact, he declared himself as one who forgives wickedness. He's able to be merciful to the offender. Because mercy is an essential characteristic of himself. And him answering the prayer of an offender is a righteous act. Now, in this time, we understand the fullness of why it is a righteous act. It's a righteous act because the Lord Jesus came as a man, gave himself for us. He took all the punishment of our sin on himself as us for us and instead of us and so god is righteous then in hearing our prayer he's righteous he will answer he answers and answers righteously but it's also an act of mercy it's an act of mercy psalm 28 and verse 2 says hear my cry for mercy as i call to you for help as i lift my hands towards your most holy place psalm 30 and verse 8 it says to you, O Lord, I call. To the Lord, I cry for mercy. The Psalms are full of prayers. I, I know the Psalms are were essentially songs, but those songs contain some petitions and prayers for God's mercy. Many Psalms, this is this is shown. Mercy is seen in Jesus Himself when He says, "Father, forgive." them for they know not what they do while he was on the cross don't you think god answered that prayer yes he did and so understand that mercy proceeds then or comes from god himself but remember the the beatitude is to us blessed are the merciful for they shall obtain mercy I just said Jesus well on the cross said, Father, forgive them for they know not what to do. But that is echoed in something that uh, Stephen said when he was stoned. Stephen, a deacon, but a man who was noted as being full of the Holy Spirit, is the very same thing he said in Acts chapter 7 and verse 60. When he was being stoned, he said, lay not this sin to their charge. And he was a man. This is not the Lord Jesus, no. This is a man in obedience to God, echoing the same sentiment. A man filled with the Holy Spirit. Lay not this thing to their charge. Unlike Jesus, he committed his spirit to the keeping of the Lord. And so this then is not impossible conditions put upon us. But this is essential characteristics that these beatitudes, so to speak, are essential characteristics of those 
who are in the kingdom of God. I want to remind us that this is the whole context of all that Jesus would say in Matthew chapter 5, 6 and 7. The kingdom of God and how it is lived out by us in this life. And that's contrasted completely with the attitude in Genesis chapter 4 verse 24 of Lamech. This is one of Cain's descendants. He said to his wives, Ada and Zillah, listen to me. Wives of Lamech, hear my words. I have killed a man for wounding me, a young man for injuring me. Cain is avenged seven times, then let Lamech be avenged 77 times. <laughs> there is no laying up this into their charge there. There is no father forgive them for they know not what to do. But as a matter of fact, he's saying, let my name be avenged if anyone takes my life. If Cain be avenged seven times, then me, 77 times. So I mean complete and lasting vengeance. The thing is, vengeance is not his to give. Vengeance is mine, says the Lord. And so what must come through, we must understand then that mercy is from God and will be an essential characteristic, not of God only, but those in the kingdom of God. Now, there's something else I got to ask myself uh, because you know, we, we see what mercy is from a dictionary point of view. We see what mercy is from God's proclamation. We see that mercy is his essential characteristic. He is merciful in forgiving sinners. He's merciful in answering prayer. We see that that mercy comes, uh, pleases God. And that those of us who practice merciful mercy as a, as a characteristic and who can be described as merciful also obtain mercy from god we see that it is shown fully in jesus on the cross we see that it is shown then as well in his disciples and i i give reference to stephen seen when he too is murdered for his proclamation and he says lay not this into their charge and so it is seen in Christ, it is seen in the body of Christ, the church, it is seen in us who follow him. But what is its goal? And, and that also is shown in scripture. There is a goal towards this mercy. Romans chapter 11 and verse 32 to 36 says, and, and just let me give some context to these four verses. Paul was addressing some schisms and some feelings between those of uh, those who would be of Jewish extraction and those who are Gentiles in the church in Rome. So the church in Rome would have been made up of some Jewish and Gentile believers. And he is sorting out, he spends some time sorting out this schism between them and showing them God's plan for each and how each group fit into God's plan. And at, towards the end of his explanation, he says this, For God has consigned all to disobedience that he may have mercy on all. And when Paul finishes with this, he goes into 
a, a, a time of worship, so to speak. He says, Oh, the depth of the riches and wisdom and knowledge of God. How unsearchable are his judgments and how inscrutable his ways. For who has known the mind of the Lord? Or who has been his counselor? He's sounding somewhat like Job there. He says, or who has given a gift to him that he might be repaid? For from him and through him and to him are all things. I am tell you, in the original Greek, it would have said, are all, the all. And he says, to him be glory forever. Amen. To God be glory forever. For from him, and we say mercy comes from him, and through him, expressed primarily through Christ, fully through Christ, and then through the body of Christ, corporately and individually, as seen through Stephen, through him and to him. That is expressing God and pointing to God, pointing to his characteristics, are all things. And so mercy, then its point, is to glorify God. As I mentioned time and time again, the kingdom of God could be seen as the presence of God where his glory is seen to him be glory forever amen and so mercy then as an essential characteristic practiced by us pleases God and displays God to the world displays God to the world I, 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 I want to look at that first sentence that Paul said though for God has consigned all to disobedience that he may have mercy on all and there's uh, uh, another part of scripture I believe it's in Romans 2 where it says God's wrath is revealed uh, through the as a matter of fact one second let me just take a quick look I believe it's in Romans and chapter 1 um one second i want to make sure i'm accurate in quoting this particular scripture and it just came to me um romans chapter one yes romans chapter one and verse 18 it says for the wrath of god is revealed from heaven against all ungodliness and unrighteousness of men who by their unrighteousness suppress the truth so, first of all, we are saying that the wrath of God is revealed against all ungodliness and unrighteousness of men. And we see that men, through their unrighteousness, suppress, their, suppress the truth. Which means it's not through ignorance, but through willful unbelief. They suppress the truth. It goes on to say, for what can be known about God is plain to them because God has shown it to them for his individual, his individual attributes, namely his eternal power and divine nature have been clearly perceived since the creation of the world in the things that have been made. So they are without excuse. In other words, the very nature 
of the world that we live in proclaims the character of God. And all men, no matter where they are on the face of the earth, experience creation. A physical creation, that is. Um, and verse 21 says, for although they knew God, and that's important, it means that every man, if even only through conscience, has a knowledge in that degree of God. But it says they did not honor him as God or give thanks to him, but they became futile in their thinking and their foolish hearts were darkened. Claiming to be wise, they became fools and exchanged the glory of the immortal God for images resembling mortal man and birds and animals and creeping things. Idolatry. But verse 24, here is what God has done. Therefore, because of this, in other words, God gave them up in the lust of their hearts to impurity, to the dishonoring of their bodies among themselves, because they exchanged the truth about God for a lie, and worship and serve the, create, the creature rather than the creator who is blessed forever. For this reason, God gave them up to dishonorable passions. And it goes on to mention how those dishonorable passions are carried out. But basically, you, you must understand that the wrath of God then, so to speak, is shown in giving men over to their futile imaginations. Right now, or as or to, to, to put it in Beijing, all now. And so by willful unbelief, men, so to speak, generally speaking, continue to engage their futile passions, futile in that they can never be satisfied. And God gave them over. So, uh, other parts of scripture would, would refer that to a reprobate mind, but has given them over to that. But guess what? When God grants repentance and those men turn to God, he is merciful. But the point is that all of us, every single one of us, have been there to some degree, pursuing our own futile passions, and so consigned to disobedience. But God had mercy upon us, and therefore we then now are in the kingdom of God, the rule of God, where his pre or the presence of God, where his glory is seen. And that is seen in us by the indwelling Holy Spirit. That is his presence in us. And the character of Christ being worked out is the glory of God being seen individually and then corporately when we come together. The kingdom of God is seen because we are in so to speak the kingdom of god and blessed or satisfied are the merciful for they shall obtain mercy every single person in the kingdom of god has obtained mercy as a matter of fact their being in the kingdom of god is actually an act of mercy and so i want to reiterate again to us that the, the the whole extent of mercy 
defined by dictionary and the way it is used as compassion or forbearance, especially to an offender or one over whom we have authority or one over whom you have authority. And that is seen, uh, that's dictionary definition, but mercy or being merciful as an essential characteristic of God. God declares it of himself. He is merciful, period. His mercy endures forever. He's also merciful in answering our petitions, especially to the most vulnerable and the poor in our society. He is merciful as his mercy is seen, especially that his mercy is seen as well in forgiving us our sins. It matters, mercy matters because it pleases God. And it is seen fully in Christ Jesus and then seen in his church corporately, but in believers individually, as in the example of Stephen when he was he was stoned. And the goal of mercy or the goal of the way it is it, it is shown is for the glory of God. Its goal is the glory of God. And the condition of all men have been consigned to disobedience. All consigned to disobedience. All saints are now born, so to speak, with a sinful inclination. All. That God might have mercy on all. And so any in the kingdom of God are there by God's mercy. And, you know, I want to us to then knowing this to make it personal. Make it personal. We have an example from scripture. Uh, Jesus himself gives this parable. Um, and I believe this parable appears in Luke chapter 18. It said, he says this to some who are confident of their own righteousness and look down on everyone else. Jesus told this parable. Two men went up to the temple to pray. One a Pharisee and the other a tax collector. Remember, there is significant stigma attached to the tax collector. The Pharisee stood by himself and prayed, God, I thank you that I am not like other people, robbers, evildoers, adulterers, or even like this tax gatherer. I fast twice a week. I give a tithe of all I get. So he proclaims his own righteousness. He thanks God that he is able to proclaim his own righteousness. Contrast this with the tax collector stood at a distance. He would not even look up to heaven, but beat his breast and say, God, have mercy on me, a sinner. He declares who he is. Have mercy on me. A sinner. I want us to make that personal. Make that personal. God have mercy on Andrew. A sinner. And you better believe that God will. Because Jesus in his parable says this. I tell you that this man. Rather than the other. Went home justified before God. For all who exalt themselves. Will be humbled. And those who humble themselves will be 
exalted and in the prayer beatitude god explains what happens there blessed are the meek or humble for they will inherit the earth but in this in this in this parable jesus gives you the contrast and so i want us to make that personal god have mercy on me a sinner and god will and he does and he has and he is but then i then must by the holy spirit show forth the glory of god in merciful conduct especially to an offender remember that or those over whom we may have authority now part of our daily prayer pattern includes father forgive our trespasses as we forgive them that trespass against us forgive us our trespasses as we forgive them that trespass against us that's part of our daily prayer pattern amen but let it be a reality in our lives and prove this declaration by god blessed are the merciful for they shall obtain mercy and may god be glorified in our lives in this in jesus